It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone. Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our show. Today, you'll hear from Tommy Hunter about the importance of clubhouse leadership. We'll chat with Arrestus Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Visit with Durham manager Jared Sandberg, as well as Charlotte Stonecrab shortstop Jake Cronenworth. And we'll look at the National League with Mike Farron of SiriusXM. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our feature guest this week is one Tommy Hunter. And Tommy, last week, I had Steven Souza Jr. on the show, and he said that you and Ricky Weeks are among the guys your veteran leadership is helping transform the clubhouse culture. When you hear about something like that from one of the younger players, what does that mean to you? Uh, you kind of smile, and, I mean, maybe it just means you're getting a little older. Um, you know, it's it's good, though. I mean, it's a, it's a great group of guys here. You can't, you can't go wrong in more times in baseball, and, you know, this is definitely one of the clubs that keeps the tradition alive about baseball guys. Just, you know, they're all pretty much the same everywhere you go. And, um, you know, just – that's the thing I think I'm most uh, looking forward to is just kind of fitting in and, you know, being a part of being a part of a group that wins. What makes a good clubhouse guy, though? What makes a, a good guy? Because you've you've been around some different clubs, Cleveland Cubs, Texas, Baltimore clubs that have won a lot. Yeah, I think you have to keep it loose. You you got to have fun uh, doing the everyday everyday baseball. People Stuff. would say people would say it was a grind, but you know, I mean, if you it is. It's it's not easy, um, but you know you got to have fun while you do it. And uh, being able to stay loose and stay live that that keeps uh, keeps teams winning, keeps teams uh, on the on the right side of the the win loss column. When you came up to the big leagues, who was someone who showed you the way? Oh man, I had a lot of guys. Um, you can start with Mike Young. Um, that's a that's a you can sweep all these names. You know I'm gonna drop them, but uh, there were a lot of guys that gave me um, a a solid path to walk down to um, look after. Uh, you go Eddie, Eddie G, everyday Eddie, um, you know, Kevin Millwood when I was in the rotation. Uh, you had Arthur Rhodes, Darren Oliver. I mean, we had some vets. Um, Pudge was behind the plate for me a couple times, and I got to throw to Benji Molina quite a few times in my days in Texas. But, uh, you know, it's it's guys like that that, you know, kept, kept you straight and narrow, kind of showed you the ropes, but you know, they, they had fun doing it at the same time and really showed you what, you know, a, a team's all about. Were you always a baseball guy? I mean, you got a pretty good build. If you played other sports, I wouldn't have been surprised. And did you ever have a choice growing up is what and why baseball? Um, I, I ventured. I played I played other sports um, and I'm one of the activists and not not 
you know, making a kid do one thing and, you know, secluding them to just, just baseball or just football. Um, I think that's penalizing the kid and his athletic ability, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I did a, I did a few. Um, I played baseball, basketball, and football, kind of like a lot of, a lot of people did. Um, you know, I just, I fell in love with baseball and I love basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. Um, I can't really, can't really say it's not because that's a, that's a passion of mine. And, but baseball, you know, pays the bills for mama, so we got to keep her happy. I hear you. Uh, what kind of basketball player were you? Give me a scouting report on Tommy Hunter's game. Uh, terrible. Um, <laughs> it's quite terrible. Um, I, uh, I, I just, I played. Um, I didn't, I didn't play with anybody. Like, <laughs> I didn't play high school or do any of that. But um, I had fun. I played a lot of rec leagues, like you know, pickup games, CYO and stuff. You know, I had fun when I was in high school with basketball, but. Um, I like going to uh, Lifetime, going going up there and playing pickup games. I mean, that's sometimes you can't say that in baseball that you do that, but uh, I that's something I enjoy. I like shooting and like like I really like blocking shots. So that's uh that's one of the one of my big things to do on a basketball court. I'll 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 throw I'll throw some stuff in the 15th row if they had rows in those LA fitnesses, but they're usually just walls. So no fans. Are you uh, are you a guy? I had also read you did you were a guy who did judo as a kid. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a that story goes back a little ways. Um, I would think I was like any other little five year old little boy and wanted to be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Um, and my grandmother got me lessons uh, for my fifth birthday and uh, turned into like a family family deal. Um, we uh, traveled all around my sister and I, and she was a lot better than me. So. You gotta gotta tip your cap to her at that point. Okay, bench clearing incident happens in baseball. Do the judo lessons you learned as a kid ever come into play, or is it just street? If we get down to the ground, somebody's in trouble. Um, you know, if the if the fight ends up on the ground and there's uh there's limbs and there's heads and stuff down there, I'm 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 gonna be able to grab one and I'm gonna. <laughs> somebody's going to sleep quick because <laughs> I had read that you showed uh, Cliff Lee a move or two is that right? oh man yeah back in the day he'll probably kill me for saying it but yeah we were messing around and the one thing about messing around with judo is like you know you got to make sure the guy's not gonna you know take it serious at some point because it always ends up you know somebody gets scared somebody you know gets you know <laughs> some when you can't breathe I mean you fight so <laughs> but uh he popped up right away and He's, you know, gave me one of those, and he's like, "All right, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life." But um, it was a move that we were taught to never get into. So, if you put somebody in it, there's no way to really get out of it. So, but uh, yeah, he, uh, we cleared out some stuff, some space in my living room, and that's when he, he was, you know, being, you know, Johnny Big League at the time, and telling me that he can get out of anything I put him in. I was like, ah, and then you know, you got to prove it when somebody calls you out like that. So I did. And I can promise you, a broadcaster's never going to be dumb enough to ask that question. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was fun, Ty. So we had a few, uh, we had a few Coca Colas that night. So I mean, you know, we were we were in rare form. Bullpens are unique too, and I'm curious from your perspective because you know your personality. Who is who talks more in the bullpen during the game, you or Danny Farquhar? Uh, Danny, Danny, not a question. Um, you know, by. By game time, you know, I'm I'm usually pretty locked in. Guys know guys know that, uh, and it's the no fun Tommy at that point. But uh, Danny Danny has no problem talking, man. He, he talks a lot. So, and the, the guys that know me are probably you know going to be shocked. But man, I'm I'm going to give him the I'm going to give him the medal on this one. That that boy can talk.
<laughs> he can he can talk. What's something we don't know about your your mates in the bullpen that'd be probably interesting that you find out? Because I can't imagine you know you guys talk about almost anything probably during the course of a game unless you're locked in like you are. Yeah, I mean, it, it, conversations you know vary. Uh, you can you know we try to stay away from politics because that that can always arise you know arise from you know different opinions. But you know it, it can it can go anywhere, man. You can from making fun of somebody to you know, conspiracy theories or something, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it ventures from day to day. Uh, usually there's some, uh, you know, trivia questions from Stan down there that everybody's trying to pick up on and Stan the man kind of leads that part. And, uh, you know, we just try to stay, stay loose down there, you know, cause it's a long time down there by ourselves. And, you know, we, you get to know know each other pretty good down there. And as we mentioned, you know, you got you have a reputation for being a pretty good guy in the clubhouse. Since Evans now downgraded the beard, who's got best beard in the in the clubhouse now? Are you? Oh man, no, I don't. I don't have a very good one. I wish I did. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you would like to you'd like to see some other people kind of you know see what they see what they have, see what they bring to the table. But no, Evans Evan had a Evan had a pretty good one. But Sue's right now, man, it's it's getting to the points where you can grab it and kind of. Pull him around like a little, <laughs> a little puppy dog now. So, he's uh he's got the got the rain on that right now. Again, chatting with uh, Tommy Hunter on this week in race baseball. Ian, when you came to this organization, what excited you the most about it, and how has it maybe lived to your expectations to this point? Um, well, you see a, a young team eager to win. Um, they uh, there's a, there's a lot of talent on the team, um, and being a guy coming in, you just kind of try to fit in as best you can. You know, you you try to stay quiet and I'm not a good guy at that so that kind of went out the window but they um they they opened us with you know welcomed us with open arms and you just adjust and on the fly as best as you can and you know you uh once the game start once you start winning winning's fun it, it builds builds camaraderie it builds you know just a whole team atmosphere and you know fortunately you know we've started winning you've been around uh, Kevin Cash your manager now is a guy you actually played with but you've been around some unique managers, whether it's Buck Showalter or Ron Washington. I couldn't imagine. At least they seem to be very different. What's a manager that fits your personality well, and who have you enjoyed playing for to this point the most? Obviously, Kevin, a very short time so far. Yeah, I mean, I think every uh, every situation is going to be different. Um, I think, uh, you know, you just, I like open communication. Um, you know, I'm an open book, and... I like people to be an open book with me, and uh, if you're upfront, honest with it about, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna get along pretty well, uh, regardless of, you know, what people have said about you in the past. But I just don't like, you know, I don't like to be, you know, I don't like people beating around the bush with me. If you got something, you know, that you need to say, say it. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a grown man. I can handle it, and because uh, I'm gonna do it the same way with you. You know, if, if, you know, something goes right someone goes wrong you know let, let's talk about it let's work it out and let's try to make you know not only ourselves better but let's make this team better one thing i've heard about you too is receptive to the fact that you know you were willing to look at some changes in the way you pitched when you yeah. came over here what without getting too specific because i know you don't want to give away trade secrets but what have you adjusted that you think will help you they uh they came up with some ideas and tossed in my way said it would make me a better player they they uh they just came to me and approached me about a situation where they thought I could be a better pitcher um you know some pitch sequences here some some uh, you know minor adjustments on how I go about you know my routine and if you make a few changes maybe it'll make you better and you know I think everybody in this game wants to be better um you know if you're content you're probably not going to be playing this game long um so you got to get better every day 
uh, and when people try to help you, uh, just try to listen to them because, you know, people have your best interests at heart most of the time. And if you just listen to people, maybe you got to maybe maybe there's something there that you haven't seen or somebody else's words are different than somebody else's and you respond better to how he said it than another guy. And I think as baseball players, we just need to be like that and uh, just try to get better and uh, try to play this game as long as you can and be a kid. Long story short, you had a, an accident last year during the middle of the season with your son where you were you missed a portion of the schedule. How much did that help you maybe appreciate the game and appreciate everything, even that much more? I mean, anytime I think your child's involved in anything, it turns into a, a lot scarier situation than what it what it probably should have been. I mean, it was scary to begin with, but um, you know, I, I slipped, I fell, um, I uh, was changing his diaper. I mean, everybody's heard the story, but uh, went down every step, and uh, we landed at the top of the stairs. And I tried to turn to get his leg out from behind me and between the, the wood floor. So, I mean, I was fortunate to be able to get it out and, you know, I broke my back in the meantime. So we slid down some stairs and we got to the living room, called my wife, she threw me a bag of peas and, you know, she said, get up, you got bath duty tonight. And so I tried to do it, man. I just couldn't pick him up. Um, so it was uh, it was unfortunate, it was an accident. I mean, I'm you know, I'm, I'm sorry that it happened. Uh, you, you live, you live from it, man. I was thankful that he's okay, and uh, you know, baseball was was a very distant second at that point. Um, you know, just to make sure he was all right, man. That was the, that was the scary. That was scary. That was that was that was not fun. Be a dad and fall down the stairs with your kid, man. And he was, you know, yeah. Everybody gets it. It makes you appreciate everything you have, though, that much more. Most definitely. Um, you know, I was able to come back and play some baseball last year, so um, you know, it, it worked out. Uh, for me, um, you know, you would have liked to have seen things, you know, go a little different way with, with Cleveland, but, you know, they, they went to the World Series, so, you know, you tip your cap to them, and uh, we moved on, and that's, you know, sometimes in a business world, that's that's what you got to do, and uh, Baltimore gave me an opportunity last uh, September, and, you know, I got to be a part of uh, them going back to the playoffs, and you know, now, I'm, you know, you flip these chapters, man. You can just try to keep writing in a book and see how many chapters you can make out of it. Well, hopefully this chapter ends really successful. Certainly appreciate having you on the show and with this club in the clubhouse this year. Thank you for, for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. That's Tommy Hunter joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. Time now to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us from Fox Sports Sun, Arrestus Destrada. Arrestus, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, it's always good to be with good to be with you, Neil. Uh, you know, trying to see if we can finally take one of these uh, series on the road. No doubt. And if you can, you get to 500 at the end of April. Which I don't know about you, but all things considered, 10 players on the DL, not really getting length from your starting pitching, uh, probably would be a reasonable accomplishment. It'll be a massive accomplishment. I think it'll be uh, a psychological lift going into the, the the next month. I, you know. Those of us that have been around baseball, both playing it, covering it, talking about it, uh, like you and I, uh, realize that, that you kind of compartmentalize a baseball season and you go day to day, week to week, month to month. But, but you know, you kind of try to, you know, go for short, medium and long term goals. And, and, and I think one of the, the, the short term goals for this first month, especially when you had so many games within your own division, um, 
going 500, uh, I think, was a, was a, a realistic goal. And if they can accomplish that, I think it's a psychological lift as you go into May. And I think as you look at, you know, what this club has had to deal with, again, you really didn't you didn't play the first month with your shortstop, your left fielder, and you're missing a lot of bullpen guys. I mean, to me, the story is you look at this club in the month, probably two guys offensively, Corey Dickerson and, and Steven Souza Jr., who, who also got hurt yesterday. Yeah, and, and add Wilson Ramos to the mix of, uh, of you know, a power bat that whether he was the catching or just the aching, um, I mean, this is a real-time bat there that, that uh, you know, started the season, obviously, uh, knowingly on the DL. But uh, but you're right, and, and, you know, those two guys have, have been – uh, outstanding, and, and I hope that Sousa's deal, since it turned out to be at least negative in in essence, uh, but still pretty serious in in, in effect um, of getting hit, and, and we'll see the day to day scenario of that uh, has been pretty massive. I mean, uh, Duffy alone to me is is uh, was a disappointing scenario for for the team to to think. Okay, it looks pretty good. He should start the season. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how important. A middle infielder is, including the fact that he's a quality hitter up at the plate. I think he's a guy that can hit 280. Could be the the, the kind of the, the the flip side of Logan Forsyth and, and his departure uh, from second base. And, uh, and and I'm hoping he'll be back soon. But uh, other things that kind of go on you know under the radar, but maybe it's because they've been doing so good, so we don't need to single out is the tandem of Sucre. And Derek uh, Norris, I, I think they've been outstanding also both defensively and offensively in the big picture of April. They've definitely driven in a lot of runs, which has helped. You know, one thing that I, I think has probably been short of expectations, though, is the starting pitching. You know, you look at this, they've played 25 games. They've had 12 starts of five innings or fewer and only six quality starts. That's the fewest in the majors. If you would have told me that, that they'd have the fewest quality starts in the majors, though, and still be within a game of 500, I would have said, you're, you know, that that's actually pretty good. Yeah, you, you know, you're crazy because uh, I was not expecting that. I was expecting a lot more. I was expecting a, a – um, and, and you know me. I'm, I tend to be a little bit on, on, the, on the optimistic side, but I really was expecting a dominant staff by about three guys. And, you know, and, and, and the three core guys of Odorizzi, obviously Cobb, and, and Archer. Archer's had his moments. Odorizzi ended up getting hurt. Cobb hasn't found his moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. And then you've got a kid in Blake Snell that's trying to turn the corner. Uh, we singled out in our show just a, a, a four-hitter at bat the other day that, you know, like it's a microcosm of, of Cobb. Uh, you know, he, he you know blows away one hitter, then proceeds to, you know, to, to walk. I think it was uh, 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 seven uh, – the second baseman, Travis, and then he walks Luke Maley on like four pitches, and then he just embarrasses Goins. Goins. So in the same inning, he can show, Blake can show dominance, and then he can just show how, whether it's the arm socket for the 6'6", you know, frame, or, and he just can't get certain pitches. I will say one thing with Blake Snell is that if you really break it down, it's right-handed hitters, and it's the fastball away that he has trouble trying to pinpoint that spot. And, and it usually goes up and away on him. It just gets away from him. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's walked a left-handed hitter this year. It's all been right-handed hitters, and, and he and it ends up to seeping away.
away on that on that running fastball. And certainly the Rays could use his production. Let's look at today with Chris Archer. You know, the first two starts he had were terrific. The last three starts, probably more of last year than how he started this year. The thing I noticed, I looked this up on Fangraphs, and I was kind of surprised. First start of the year, he threw 16 changeups. Last four combined, I unless if their numbers could be wrong, but they have 11 total changeups in four starts, and he's almost been just a two-pitch pitcher again. Yeah, isn't that weird? Um, as a starter, you almost have to have a third pitch. I believe, other than in the history of, of great starters in the major league level, of which probably you could go Ryan with his you know fastball, mm-hmm. curveball, Dwight Gooden for the shorter pitter at time compared to Ryan fastball curveball. It's hard to find a starter that just has two pitches, Neil, and you need that third pitch. You need an equalizer pitch, maybe a pitch that's going you know the opposite direction from your other two pitches, um, and that's for him is his changeup. And, uh, and and it's not a bad changeup. It's not no. a great changeup, but it's not a bad changeup. How you would go away from that, it's mind-boggling. Uh, and then not to mention, you know, kind of similar to to our boy Blake, you know, within certain innings or certain scenarios for a five-minute minute period of time or something, the arm release point, the con- and that's all concentration, focus, repetitive nature goes away and then you know it's easier to as a hitter to 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 discern that okay this is a ball and now i'm in a hitter's count or uh you know i'm are you gonna walk me well hopefully that uh that is steady and solid for today and the race can find their way to 500 oh we certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball yeah and i will say this uh this is the other surprise neil about this team is that they've been a fun team to watch play. I mean, I'm, I'm being candid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing 500 ball, but I, I really think that, especially at home, this is a team that, that, that is fun to play every single game. You can't tell me a game that they have won that it hasn't been a team effort, hitting by committee, um, and just kind of pretty fun in, in, in that aspect. So I definitely encourage uh, people to come out and uh, – and take a look at this team. I think they're still don't sleep on the Rays. This is my model this year, and I, and I feel I think it's still in effect. And there's Orestes Destrada, Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. Thank God. Six twenty WDAE St. Petersburg and ninety five point three FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball, and time now to take a look at the Rays minor league system. We start with Triple A Durham, our guest, the manager of the now 16 and 6 Bulls. That's Jared Sandberg. Jared, congrats on the really good start, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. You know, we just talked with Arrestus Distraught about all the injuries the Rays have, 10 players on the DL, and you've had some guys injured too. And of course, when guys are injured at the major league level, that impacts your club. So tell me what's been, what stood out in terms of this great start about the way your club has played so far. Well, it's interesting listening to Arrestus talk about, you know, the way that the big league team has played as a team. And, you know, we, we're, uh, we're competing every night here in Durham. We got, uh, productive lineup which has helped but the uh the pitching staff when we've uh, been short with our injuries as well and, and the extended roster of the major league team you know uh everybody's just doing their job and um we are we're clicking on all the cylinders as a team so as, as we've come together um this year 
and got off to a great start. It's, it's everybody clicking on, on all cylinders. Let's begin with a couple of those guys on the position player side. You know, there weren't many people in big league camp talking about Patrick Leonard, but he seemed to have a much better approach in spring training. And what's the biggest difference between last year and this year uh, where he actually went back down to double A and, and got himself back on track? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the best hitter in, in uh, the International League right now. He's leading the league in hitting. Uh, he's putting together some great at-bats. He's taking his walks when he needs to. But uh, I've been talking about it for most of the season now about Patrick is that, you know, he's comfortable. Last year he came to AAA for the first time. He was playing left field, not normally a position that he, you know, had played a whole lot of. So he was kind of out of position and uh, learning the ropes of AAA. Went down to AA, took it as a positive put together a good season down there, and he comes back here playing third base where he's very, very comfortable. He's very, very solid at third base. And when you're comfortable uh, on and off the field in the batter's box uh, at the hot corner, it just makes for uh, a little bit easier time. So he's comfortable this year. Plus the other thing, too, is you know he had to learn how to deal with some failure last year, which I think helps him uh, you know, going forward. And now he's having to learn how to deal with some success, which is a really good thing. Is there anything he's changed, though, fundamentally with his swing? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, he's using the whole field. You know, he's, he's going line to line, which I think is, uh, has helped. Uh, he's he's uh, managing the strike zone very, very well. He's hitting the ball with two strikes, uh, and he's barreling up the ball. Plus, uh, you know, he's put the ball in plays. He's getting some scratch hits here and there, but for the most part, he's hitting the ball solid, putting together some good ABs, managing the strike zone. You know, I think another good story with your club, and we're chatting with Durham manager Jared Sandberg, Brandon Getzman. I mean, this is a kid who's a local product, high pick, Started the year in double-A. Because of some injuries to others, he got a chance in triple-A. And at least by the numbers, it looks like he's doing terrifically for you. He's always had fantastic skill level in terms of, you know, just the physical nature of, of, of the kid. Yeah, I mean, he ran a 3.96 down the line from the right side Oof. on an infield base hit the other day, which is, you know, that's top speed. You're talking about a 240-pound, uh, uh, you know, physical specimen. You know, we, we were joking with him the other day. NFL draft's going on right now, so... Uh, we're getting ready for stretch, and the guys were getting on him a little bit, asking him if he put his name in for the NFL draft. <laughs> but uh, no, he's come up here, and um, you know his timeline for development is, is and that process has, has been, been what it is. But he's come up here to AAA and performed very, very well. Uh, again, he's made some really, really good strides and adjustments in the batter's box with his pitch recognition and managing the strike zone. But again, you talked about the strength. Uh, you know, he almost hit a ball out of the. Indianapolis ballpark, which would have short-hopped the JW Marriott, um, but unfortunately hit a flagpole. But it was an absolute rocket, you know, well over, uh, I think it was 113 off the bat, somewhere in there. But uh, this guy can produce, uh, hit the ball off the uh, off the bat with a, a uh, huge mile per hour. So it's great. Very encouraging. And your catchers, I mean, we've talked about the Rays catchers driving in a lot of runs. Kurt Casale, Mike Marjama are both putting up good numbers, too. Yeah, and you throw McHenry in there, too. He's caught a few games as well. But, yeah, um, you know, with Kurt having the big league time and coming down here, he could have come down and sulk. But he's come down here and, and um, you know, taking advantage of his playing time. And, and he's, he's got the bat going. Uh, he's very, very solid behind the plate. Uh, and, and he's put it together. So, I think, you know, I'm happy for him. He's very relaxed and comfortable as well. And, and then Marjama, you know, you know, still new to catching. But he's, you know, he's – He's working really, really hard with Craig Alvarez and, and making some big adjustments. And then, you know, obviously his bat, his right-handed bat's huge. So, I mean, he's got the four homers, and he's in the top ten uh, leaders in batting average in the league. So, uh, he's got to a good start with, with his bat. So, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about, you know, all three of those guys. And, and you know, they're, they're helping these pitchers 
along the way. And, you know, I think it's, it's good for Kurt to, to be able to mentor Mike Marjama as well. You know, one of the things that's amazing about your 16-6 and six start, and we're talking with Durham's manager, Jared Sandberg, is, you know, the three big prospects, uh, Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers, Casey Gillespie, all have gotten off to, at least by the numbers, slow starts. I don't see the at-bats. But what have you learned about them and the way they've handled things this first month? Yeah, you know, I'll start with Casey. And, you know, he was here last year and, and put himself on the map and had a, had a great A season. And, you know, this year I think trying to do too much at the plate, trying to, you know, back that season up. So, you know, again, it's, it's still early. You can't put a lot of stock in batting average. Uh, the at-bats are getting a little bit better for Casey as he, you know, takes the pressure off and, and uh, just goes out there and plays baseball, which I've been telling him you know, every single day, just play, just play, you know, stop worrying about this and that. So, Again, uh, you know, he's, every year you got to produce. Every year you got to you got you got to put up numbers. And you know, he's he's just off to a slow start right now. As far as the uh, the, the other two guys, you know, Willie Adamas and, and Jake Bowers, um, you know, first time to AAA. Um, you know, Jake's coming off a, an unbelievable spring training, um, and so I think you know these guys are just kind of feeling their way through AAA right now. They they've put together some good at bats. They've hit the ball, you know, on the screws with no luck. So again, the batting average is is not exactly where they want it, but they're having really good at bats, and it's only a matter of time before um, you know they get hot and uh, the numbers are and the, and the batting average is put behind them. But you know they're they're learning a lot too. So um, it, it's it's good to struggle because you can learn a lot about yourself, um, and they're going to pick it up. But like I said, they've been hitting the ball on the screws with nothing really to show for it. Well, I'm sure that'll turn around if they maintain that approach. Jared, great stuff. Congrats on the good start. I'm sure we'll have you a lot on this season and continued success. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Jared Sandberg, manager of the Durham Bulls. Now, coming up on our program, you just heard from the hottest team in the race system. The hottest player is in Port Charlotte. We'll hear from him in just a moment. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball. The 2-1. Line to center. That's a base hit. Make it 19 games in a row for Jay Cronenworth. The hit streak continues, and he goes right back where it came from for a one-out single. John Petos with a call on Charlotte's shortstop, Jake Cronenworth, who's since extended that streak to 23 straight games. He now joins us on this week in race baseball. What do you attribute the, the hot start that you're off to, too? What, I know you got off to a really good beginning last year in Bowling Green. Um, I think it's the preparation in spring training. Um, I think it's, you know having good at-bats near the end and feeling comfortable once the season starts. And um, I think that's what you can attribute that to and just uh, being comfortable in the box. Last year was your first full year in the race system. Is there anything you learned, do you think, from the season that helped you kind of use spring training to help you prepare in that way? Um, yeah, I think I think when I got moved up at the end of the season down here to Port Charlotte, I think uh, the struggles that I had, I think, was definitely eye-opening, and I think I learned a lot from that experience coming down here to help me to go into spring training to help me know what I needed to work on and then come up here and have success right away. You know, you mentioned struggles, and you were a Midwest League All-Star last year with Bowling Green. You got off to the great start. You mentioned the promotion in, in July. You were pretty good in July. It was August um, where you really struggled. How much of that was the heat and dealing with your first full season and dealing with 140 games? Um. I think I think some. I think uh, you know I don't like to make excuses, but uh, you know it was hot, and I think being my first full season, I think uh, I was definitely surprised at how long it actually was. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I think it was a good learning experience. I think it is for everybody that, that first full season, and it can be eye-opening. And I think 
that'll help me a lot this year and years to come. Because for people who don't know your story, and again, we're chatting with Jay Cronenworth on This Week in Race Baseball. We did a, a prospect spotlight on you. I mean, you originally were a two-way player. You were a pitcher as much as you were a position player. So I'm guessing that you had to learn a little bit about your body and about that, that preparation for a six-month season. Right. And in, in college, you know, it's, it's different where you're only playing on the weekends and, and maybe once in the midweek towards the end of the season. Um, so, you know, you have some time uh, in the week to get well-rested. But, yeah, being a two-way player, I think I think it helped a little bit because I had to manage both and, you know, during the games, whether I was running down to the bullpen or, or warming up in the field. Um, you know, I think I take those experiences and put them to work here. How did you, let's say, change in the off season your routine? Uh, are you bigger? Are you stronger? Are you faster? Where do you think you've improved your body physically as you got ready for this year? Uh, I think I put on a little bit more weight, uh, better weight than last year. So last year I, I lost some weight, and, um, and it was actually towards the end of the season when I got called up. Um, I think. You know, I focused on what I need to work on, getting stronger and faster in the offseason. I think that uh, was a was a key approach. And tell me a little bit about your swing. Um, how is there anything that you've changed or adjusted that's allowed you to get off to a good start? Would you say there's anything that people would notice if they watched you last year that would be different? Uh, yeah, I think they would see. I think they would see a pretty decent difference. Uh, last year, I I used to sit really low in my stance and. I had a pretty big leg kick, and and this year I'm I'm pretty straight up and a little closer together with my feet and smaller leg kicks. So I think it's uh, I think it's been a good adjustment. It's been through trial and error throughout the off season, but uh, I think what I figured out is is working well for me. When you went from low A to high A, from Bowling Green to to the Florida State League with the Charlotte Stone Crabs, did you notice anything different in terms of uh, the quality of pitcher that you saw, the way that uh, the pitching was, and the way teams attacked you? Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, it, from low A to high A, it was definitely a, a pretty pretty decent difference. I think I was seeing a lot more off-speed pitches earlier in the counts, and, and the ability to throw those off-speed pitches for strikes at any time. And, uh, you know, in the Midwest League, you run into some guys that, that can't do that, but up here, everybody can do it. Uh, I think that was probably the biggest adjustment for me. As someone who closed games at the University of Michigan, how much does your ability to read pitchers now help you do you think are there things you can pick up that maybe other position players may not um i think that's a, the, a huge asset that i have and i think it's it's more along the lines of of strike zone judgment and and maybe what they're going to throw me in certain counts um you know every pitcher has something they do differently you just got to figure out what it is and hopefully you can do that by your your second at bat but uh you know i think that's a a, a good asset that I have. Some guys are able to even pick up whether a guy's tipping pitches or, or if there are any tells. Are you good at doing that, or, or or is that something you look at a lot when when you're coming to the plate or when you're watching a guy from the dugout? I think sometimes, yeah. I think it depends on the pitcher and, and what he's doing in the game. Um, but yeah, if a guy's tipping a pitch, that can that can be huge not only for me but for the team. And uh, I, th I think tendencies too are. are are big as well and you know what he does in certain counts to a left-handed hitter and you can see that from how he pitches other guys and with two strikes or you know in a 1-1 count. You know we talked about the heat you know playing in Port Charlotte but I think one of the benefits is that there are some guys who come through on major league rehabs I know so far it's just been Malik Smith 
Um, but are you one to watch and learn, or are you one to ask questions? And, and is, is any rehab guy last year or this year who had been particularly helpful? Um, I think I think all of them are. I think they all come down, and, and they've all done done a great job. I think we had last year we had Logan Morrison, who was great, and we had Desmond Jennings right when I got up there, who was awesome. And uh, I think we had Alex Cobb make a couple starts for us. And, you know, all, the, all those guys are, are great to us. And, you know, e- even if they're, you know, do, doing their own thing, which, which I totally respect, um, just sitting back and watching what they do and, and how they go about their business uh, can help a lot. You also got to come up for a couple of Major League Spring training games and, and play in a few. Did that help you, do you think, going into the season? And was there anything you learned from that experience? Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's always nice to, to, it's an honor to go up there, you know, coming from minor league camp up to there. Um, I think things you learn are just, just little things like what guys do during BP or what guys do in the dugout and just seeing what they do during the game and, you know, talking about pitchers and stuff like that. And I think using those little things and bringing them to the season is, is awesome. You know, you mentioned some of the changes you made earlier in your swing, where do you want, you know, at the end of the year, where do you want to be? Where do you think you want to grow the most? Um, I think in, in my consistency. Rodriguez, of course, not your average base dealer. As this one's lined into left field, that's a base hit. Make it 20 games in a row for Jake Cronenworth. Takes the pitch the other way from Zoik, and Cronenworth continues to rake. I think last year, you know, I was I was pretty consistent throughout the whole season, and then when I got called up, that was when I kind of had uh, had my struggles. But I think if I can stay consistent through through late July and August and early September, I think you know I, I would be extremely happy with with how I finish. Jay, good stuff. We wish you continued success. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball. Awesome, thanks, Neil. And that is Jay Cronenworth, and we certainly wish him the best of success going forward. He's having a terrific run in the Florida State League. Hey, not trying to burst your bubble, but the first 15,000 fans will be the only ones to receive a bubble blown longo presented by Fox Sports Sun on Saturday, May the 6th. Get here early to get yours before they're gone. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com to be part of the action today. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. Rays taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, and that club includes J.P. Howell, a former Ray. Uh, When the Rays first faced the Jays, the early part of the month, I had a chance to sit down and find out how he ended up back in the American League East. Absolutely, man. This is my obviously my favorite division. I love it. It's a heavyweight bout every single night, and that's what um, it helps me get better. And uh, I love being around that environment. I mean, it's a, it's an aggressive league, and I was in the NL West, which is such a different style of play. Uh, coming back to uh, the AL East is I'm really excited about it. But you are a Cali guy, so I mean, are you going to miss being back home, so to speak? You know, when you're you know whenever you're not at your real home, it's on the road, whether it be the same state or not. It's, uh, it's nice being in the East, man. It's, I've always enjoyed this kind of uh, style in terms of the fans. So it's kind of worth the exchange. I get enough time in the offseason with family and stuff, so it's good. Were there a lot of choices for you before you ended up with Toronto, and what did it come down to? There was a few choices. You know, it came down to just uh, the business aspects of things. Wait, and I was one of the later signs. It took, uh, you know, end of January. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where you sit back, you weigh the options, and to me this was the, the highest team contending and, and the fairest amount offered. So it was one of, those, one of those situations where I weighed it that way. Is it getting harder? You know, and I'm talking about the free agent process because, look, we saw the value of relief pitchers, and you watch the playoffs, and Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman, but those guys are throwing 100, and they're in their 20s. And as you get later 
as you are now, a lot of guys are now in that one year, year to year situation. Right. I mean, for me at this at this stage of the game, man, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm okay with one years. I'm okay with three years and two years. So it's pretty much just um, starting the new journey. It doesn't matter really the number of years. You obviously you're shooting for a multi year, but when you get a one year, you feel just as blessed. And um, you know, if you get a if you get a multi, it doesn't take any pressure away. Really, you know, it it still feels the same. And uh, I thought, you know, my first go around, uh, you know, one year at a time is okay. You were obviously a big part of the 08 World Series team here. This is the next year will be the 10th anniversary. Does it feel like that? Not even close, man. That's not. Yeah, I tell you what, it goes by with a snap of a finger. You know, it's just so crazy um, to think back. Longo's one of the only guys here, and then we got some guys on the staff that are still here. So, uh, you know, not too many familiar faces, but the memories are just as strong. Of those memories, I mean, was that your most memorable year in the game? And if not, what has been since? Absolutely, man. 08 was, uh, was my first year in the bullpen. I was a young team. We're beating all, you know, we're all the lowest uh, paid team in the league. And we're beating the highest paid team. It doesn't get much better than that, you know. So um, World Series run and all that, I've been shooting for that same year since. How different then was Los Angeles? Because then you were the top payroll club and I would assume the pressures are kind of different because it's almost expected hey if you don't win there's something wrong well you know you got like say we're we come in we play in the Rays and the Rays just got done playing a different team well we know we're going to get the Rays A game you know what I mean every time you're playing a team you're getting the A game I remember being on on the on the other side in 08 and all my years here sometimes the Yan Yankees would come here a little lackadaisical and we jump on them and uh, we took we use that advantage and it got us to the World Series so I know to keep my dukes up when I'm around these Rays and um, when I was in LA it was uh, it was pretty much a target on your chest every day what do you think of the group you're with now and and what's the the clubhouse environment like man it's a it's a really good mix of young and old a lot of swag on this team I mean these guys can hit and um, and they love they enjoy it man you got guys working hard every single day so I'm sure it's like that early in every clubhouse but this clubhouse it does feel special to me it reminds me a lot of 08 the hunger and the uh, expectation it is to, to win the World Series and we all love that that is J.P. Howell. Again, he's now with the Toronto Blue Jays. They've had a very difficult month. The Rays, starting tomorrow, are going to go into National League play. And join me to talk about that from the Arizona Diamondbacks and also from Sirius XM, good friend of mine, Mike Farron. Mike, thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Neil. Always a pleasure. Tell me this. You know, the Rays are about to face the Marlins. What do you make of them so far? They're 10-12. and 12. They've lost four in a row. I know you follow the National League tightly. Obviously, they had to deal with a tragedy at the end of last year with the passing of Jose Fernandez. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're they're kind of an interesting team because you look at their position player base, and they're all kind of in that, um, I guess, sweet spot in terms of they have a, a fair amount of experience in the major leagues. Uh, they've had a little bit of success. They're extremely talented. And so you look at it and go, boy, that's a pretty good offensive club. And they certainly have a deep bullpen, at least in terms of the number of players that they uh, set out to acquire this winter the way they tried to improve that because you're right it's very difficult for a team especially with a limited payroll to try and replace an ace especially when they lose as tragically as jose fernandez so um i think that that those are kind of the more strengths of the team but they have a starting rotation that um you know is not dominant by any stretch and i think you know what you've seen with pittsburgh what they've done to them in the last couple of days um, that there are times when you know good offensive teams like the rays can take advantage of that because they tend to be more a number four and number five starters than having anybody that's really a, a top of the rotation type. The injury to Adam Eaton with the announcement he's gone for the year for Washington, does that change the way that division potentially breaks down since they also have had trouble closing games too? Well, I mean, I, 
I, I really have been on the Mets from, from since this winter. I, I felt like that that team, you know, in fact, the Mets have played April like they didn't expect them to be that good, like they had to panic. Um, I think they're a pretty good team. So I don't know, for me, that it necessarily changes the equation in the division than it does, um, you know, kind of mitigate some of the hot start. I mean, Eaton is a really important player for them because he gets on base at a tremendous clip. Um, you know, I know he was talking to the, the media in Washington today saying that he was going to try and come back this year. It wouldn't be completely unprecedented to see a guy come back from ACL surgery in five months to be able to play, but that would still put him at the end of September. Um, you're right. They do have a hole at the back end of their bullpen, and this does have an impact on their lineup. I mean, Michael Taylor is going to be uh, the guy for the foreseeable future that gets most of the at-bats, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see them go out and try and jump the market on a deal because Mike Rizzo is very aggressive, um, and I think that they really do need outfield help. I mean, they're going to need somebody that they can put in there every day, and I'm not sure that uh, as much as I really like Taylor's tools, I don't think he's ever found the consistency offensively at the plate uh, that allows him to tap into those, um, in part because of his swing and miss. So um, I think that it does change the equation in the standpoint that it it maybe it tightens things from what happened in the first month, but – no mistake, I think this was going to be a very close division race between those two teams anyway. The, the Red Sox are right now from the AL East are facing the Cubs. Does any The race faced the NL Central this year, so does anyone contend with the Cubs? How different are they from last year's World Series championship team to you? Well, I, you know, I think that they're still pretty good. I mean, I think even if you talk to executives around the game, I think they'll say that that's kind of the one team that looks like they're dominant. I mean, you know, their lineup isn't clicking on all cylinders, and it doesn't necessarily need to at any point because they have so much depth. Um, you know, their starting pitching is pretty good. I'd say if they have one Achilles, it would be the, the depth of their rotation. Um, you know, and their options if somebody were to get hurt. It looks like most of their guys have, have seen decreased velocity this year, and I don't know if that's by design to try and ramp up for the course of a long season where they expect to play into October or if that's, a you know, a sign of something else. But um, they're really good, and I think that they're clearly the favorites in the National League. I think that they're, they're you know, head and shoulders above the rest of their division, um, and they're going to be a very, very difficult team to play. I mean, you could – the problem with them is it's a lot like, and you know, you know this all too well, facing those kind of those American League East lineups, right, mm-hmm. um, where there just aren't any breaks in it, and that's the way the Cubs line up now is there just are no breaks in that lineup. Mike, I got less than a minute, so tell me of the Diamondbacks, the team you're with, and the Rockies, who has the longer staying power in the West with the Giants with those injuries, and why? I think it's a great question. I think um, they're very similar teams. Uh, I, I'm certainly a little bit biased in this, but I do like the Diamondbacks starting pitching because I think they're more experienced. I think that, that, that while the young starters have been very good for Colorado so far, I think that that's still a question for them. Their bullpen is excellent. Having watched it the last two days, it's better than the Diamondbacks for sure. The lineups are similar. I'll give the slight edge to the starting pitching to the D-backs, but it wouldn't surprise me if it were Colorado in that spot either. Mike, great stuff as usual. We appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll have you on again this season. Anytime, Neil. Always love talking baseball with you. You got it. That's Mike Farron again of SiriusXM and also part of the Diamondbacks broadcast team, and we certainly appreciate having him and all of our guests on the show today. Pitcher Tommy Hunter, Arrestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun, Durham manager Jared Sandberg, and Charlotte Stonecrab shortstop Jane Cronenworth. Of course, if there's something you want to hear on the show, tweet me 
at Neil Solon's. Next week's program will include interviews with one Logan Morrison and much more from my producer today, Len Martez. Neil Solon saying stay tuned for the pregame show. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.